Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Thursday the 16th of July. Today's data generated nine surprises and only two shocks. This continues the run of surprisingly strong data from now all regions. From Monday to today, we've had 28 surprises and only 13 shocks. And there's been a particularly surprising run from the US, which was responsible for nine of the surprises and none of the shocks. There, it really is beginning to look like a proper rebound, the only region you can actually say that about. Today's US surprises included a 7.5% month-on-month rise in June retail sales and a 14-point rise in the NAHB Housing Market Index, which is a sort of industry confidence index, back up to 72, i.e. pre-COVID levels. But today was always going to be about China because it released its second quarter GDP data and a bunch of data for June. GDP rose 3.2% year-on-year in the second quarter, which implies about half the momentum lost in the first quarter was regained in the second quarter. In the absence of a broad second wave of pandemic, it leaves China on course to grow at around 2.5% to 3.5% for the year. Let's start with domestic demand and start right at the top. Per capita disposable income was up only 0.8% year-on-year in the first quarter, but this recovered to 4.5% year-on-year in the second quarter, with the wage portion of that up 4%. But per capita spending, which fell 8.2% year-on-year in the first quarter, was still falling 3.3% year-on-year in the second quarter. That's a very modest rebound, recouping only about a third of the fall against the trend seen in the first quarter. It implies that, just as we've seen everywhere else, household savings rates rose sharply during the crisis. By my calculations, the excess of per capita consumption over wages fell by no less than 13.3% year-on-year in the second quarter. That's bad for Chinese profits. Retail. Student sales fell 1.8% year-on-year, which was actually worse than expected. But I have to say that consensus was pretty optimistic because that 1.8% fall was generated by a monthly movement, two standard deviations better than you'd normally expect in a June. Restaurant sales are still down sharply, as is most discretionary spending, but this is being offset by big rises in the basics. You're not eating out, so food purchase is up 10.5%, daily necessities are up 16.9%, And, well, cosmetics are up 20.5%. In investment, China's investment data this year is difficult to read because this year's totals are seemingly based on a different survey from last year's, meaning you've got to take the results on trust. And I don't like to do that. Anyway, January to June investment spending fell by 3.1% year-to-date, with sharp gains against trend in both May and June. This is not the private sector at work. Its its investment fell 7.3% year-to-date, with the implication being that it's public sector investment that's doing the heavy lifting, up an implied 14.9%. And that, of course, is what you'd expect from what we know about China's financing. During May and June, total new aggregate financing came to 6.58 trillion, of which new government bond issues came to 1.88 trillion, about 30% of the total. Normally, you'd expect it to be about 
Nevertheless, the incentive for private investment is likely to improve during the second half of this year because the cap capacity utilisation rate in the second quarter rose 7.1 percentage points to 74.4, which is within touching distance of the long-term average of 75.3. Similarly, the Real Estate Investment Climate Index, which fell from 101.2 in December to a low of 97.4 in February, was back at 99.9 in June. Not fully recovered, but not far off either. Nevertheless, the industrial economy so far is showing only a modest recovery in momentum. June's industrial production was up 4.8% year-on-year, with a gain against trend of only 0.3 standard deviations. But should we really be expecting much more? After all, output was up only 5.5% in the second half of last year, so what we're seeing now isn't particularly bad or necessarily a sign that recovery is being hampered by the virus. Maybe this is just the sort of rate China is likely to produce. Notice that by June, there's no particular distinction between growth in SOEs and any other type of company. In short, it looks normal. I think you're getting the same picture too from electricity production, which rose 6.5% year on year with a modestly positive deflection against trend. And then, of course, you're no longer getting much of an impetus from exports. In dollar terms, these rose only 0.5% year on year in June and were up only 0.1% in the three months to June. Is this relative lack of growth mainly down to COVID? Well, it certainly won't be helping. But remember, in dollar terms, China's exports grew not at all in, in 2019. The expectation, or perhaps belief, that China's export engines will eventually power the country's recovery looks unsafe, and maybe even unhistorical. I'm left with this conclusion, or maybe just suspicion. China's recovery pattern and its growth pattern in the future is going to depend on domestic demand, not trade. And I suspect that this might be a general pattern. The post-COVID world may not be very trade-friendly. If so, the future will begin to favour large economies, the US, China, Eurozone even, rather than the nimble trade-dependent economies we're used to in the past. I shall leave you with that thought. Thanks for listening, and if you got something out of it, and I certainly hope you did, please help spread the word about the bulletin in any way you feel like. And if you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com.